All right, welcome back. And just to catch you up, ReliaQuest just started receiving interest from venture capital and private equity for the first time, and it became a whole new world. Now you're about to hear how FTV Capital began showing interest and the ground rules that Murph had to lay down before doing business. We had a, a small team and I told uh, FTV, I had a couple rules. Um, Tim gave me this advice to kind of write down 10 things that were non-starters to me. Um, that if they, if they cross the line on one of those 10, then I'm walking away from the deal. Like don't get hung up on the math and the numbers and all that stuff. There was always going to be capital there. We're a great company. Tim was such a good advisor through this and is one of my closest friends today. Um, and, uh, and no BS cause you know, there's a lot of emotions in this process and things are being sent around and, and, um, you know, I had to deal with, you know, my brother and happen he'll understand. And they had questions like, guys, I don't know, uh, I'll figure it out, but it'll be good. Um, and so I got with, uh, Greg helped as just, it was just doing consulting on the side. Um, you know, Colin and Elliot needed to kind of pull together all of our sales stuff. Like Salesforce was garbage. So we needed to like pull together who we're talking to our, they needed, they sent this, uh, term sheet. So we negotiated the term sheet, signed the term sheet, and then they sent a diligence list. And that's all the stuff they need to see to validate the price they put on the term sheet. So you go through this due diligence process and you give them a 60 day exclusivity, I think is what we signed. It might've been 45 days. So they, I agree. I'm not going to talk to another venture capital company or growth equity company. I can't bring in a competitor. Well, I'm going to go quiet for 45 days and they're going to do all their work and they have 45 days to close. And, um, so it was, and I told them like one of my rules is like, this can't distract the business. So I'm available, yeah. you know, before 8am and after 6pm and I'm traveling a lot and time changes and man, I'll give it to them. Richard Liu, uh, uh, he's great. He was on, he was an associate then and Alex Mulvaney was an associate and Kyle was a, I think a, a director, I think at the time and, uh, and Lerone Giddick was the partner uh, supporting the deal. And man, those guys, uh, they made it easy, asked us tough questions, but it was a grind. And, uh, we were sending schedules and I'm sure our accounting looked like hell. I mean, it was all out of QuickBooks and they just said, send us what you got. We'll build the model. And, um, and we went through, we answered all their questions and I think it was, so we were supposed to close in May and in April, one of the coolest moments of my life is it kind of dawned on me what was happening is um, Joe Partlow and I flew to New York and part of the deal process and diligence process is you had to be in front of um, I'll back up actually. So let me back up. This is another cool part. So we signed this term sheet. We got to agree to keep our mouth shut. Well, then it goes right into RSA. RSA is happening right after that. So we go from, you know, Vegas, I go back home, repack, fly out to RSA. We're doing like 70 meetings. We have this kind of terrible event space we rented out. It's all we could afford, but it was cool for us. And, and, and we're running down these huge logos. And, and I felt like at the time, I didn't realize it, but at the time you could feel momentum. That's kind of how I feel now. But mm -hmm. you could get a sense that these large companies were just as excited about being a part of what we were doing, right? It was bigger than just a vendor. Like they, they appreciated the hustle, the response, the follow-up, the way our customers act today. Like 
we are here because of our customers and our customers invest in us and, and they do really feel like they're a part of our story and they are, they're a big part of our story. And so we've had people that have been here this whole time that, um, you know, that Kyle or that Richard Liu and Alex Mulvaney would, we, I'd set up a dinner so they could kind of casually, cause I create a rule, like you can't interview our employees cause I don't want to distract our employees and you can't interview our customers cause I don't want to freak them out and they think we're selling and all this other stuff. So we just set up ways for them to interact with a customer and get their stuff done. But, um, RSA was crazy. I had to, we would do these daily standups for the sales team, which is like six people. Right. And, and they're all the supporting cast and we get everybody fired up to do all these meetings. And I left that, that happened at like 8 AM and I needed to be at 9 AM at the FTV offices in San Francisco. Um, and, and I couldn't get a like car and we couldn't afford a car service and Uber would have been too long. So I just ran, um, in my suit and, uh, <laughs> So the standup ends at like 8.40 and I'm just in a sprint. And I, I mean, I've not been known for physical fitness in my ReliQuest years and it's all uphill every direction in San Francisco when your last name's yeah. Murphy and you're late. So I'm dying. I'm sweating buckets. Like I am just proof. I get up to the top of the elevator and they're looking at me like, who is this guy? Like this local yokel from somewhere in Florida looks like someone sprayed him with a water hose and he can't stop breathing heavy. Right. <laughs> so I go in this conference yeah. room and there's this video call set up and they have their New York office all staring at me. Come to find out it was very much a ReliQuest move. They filled the room with everybody in the office. So even the admins, everything to make the room look fuller was yeah. something we would do, which I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. um, so, and then I have Lerone Giddick who's in New York and then I have Richard Garman who's the managing partner in San Francisco and the San Francisco team there. And then you have all the New York team and Lerone is just throwing haymakers at me, like just really kind of shitty tone, getting really aggressive, like coming at me hard and I'm getting pissed. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm listening to this. I'm like, you know what? I don't need to be here right now. I, I, I got p things to do, things to sell. Like I, I'm the, and the mental thing in the back of my head, I'm like, I don't like this guy. I don't want to be around this guy. Um, and I'm really close with them today. So they kind of play this, like get after you, like, how are you going to handle it? Right. And I sure. gave them back a little bit of edge. Right. So I have a belief that you respond in kind, right. If you're going to ask me a shitty question, I'm going to put a little edge on my answer back to you, you know? So sure. we go through this whole process and, and then for the next few days at RSA, Richard Liu and Alex Mulvaney are around us all the time. And like, you know, they tell you now they could see it then like the, the, you know, we call it a mindset. They would just say the culture, the camaraderie, like of everything that we were doing together. Um, so we come out of RSA, get home, start doing all this due diligence. Well, now we have to get the point. But by the way, Lerone, we get back from San Francisco, Lerone and, and Kyle and Richard and Alex are in our offices that next week. And from the time I walk in, I'm like ready to go. I'm like, Lerone's going to bring the heat. I'm bringing the heat. Yeah. Nice guy I've ever met in my life. He was he got it. Like he just wanted to see if we got it. Do you know what I mean? He was stroking sure. at us pretty hard. And then he was our biggest advocate, uh, and was one of my closest confidants and coaches and friends. Um, from then on, he's just a brilliant guy that always thinking about us the right way, did it for the right reason. All of the stereotypes you hear about venture capital and growth equity and all those are true. That's how they become a stereotype, right? But not everybody's that way. Right. And so, sure. um, an FTV, 
you know, all has always done what they said they were going to do. And I appreciate that. That's why we're close relationships today. But so we go through this diligence and, um, we're sitting in this God awful conference room and they're asking me all these questions and we go to dinner that night. And, and, uh, I mean, you gotta understand at that time, um, I'm terrified. Like I, I was harder to handle for Renee at that time than any, cause now I feel like you can't, you know, I'm going to mess this up. Like, I don't sure. know what I'm doing. I don't know what equity is. I don't know what all this stuff. Like, I, I mean, someone's judging your company, like someone's judging what you've done and they're asking tough questions and you're reading into every body language, every question, every completely paranoid. Right. So like in the movies, when you see people that are cool, calm and collective, not me. And I think that I don't think anybody is, you're always worried about it. So, um, so we get through that and they say, Hey, as part of this step, um, we need you to come to New York and meet live with a team and everybody's going to question you now. I'm like, okay. So it was a really cool moment. Joe comes up and we were doing some diligence stuff before the meeting starts. Um, but we're walking up. Um, we got dropped off in a cab, checked in the hotel and we're walking towards our offices. And I just stopped. I stopped and I look at Joe. I'm like, Hey man, we're on Madison Avenue in New York city in suits walking to present to a growth equity firm for a company that four years ago, I would have told you had a 10% chance of surviving a month, much less raising capital. Like you're from upstate New York and Bloomington, Indiana. And I'm from Middleburg, Florida. Like this is, it's pretty freaking cool, right? It was just Very a cool, cool moment cool. to stand yeah. there. And then we get in the room and, you know, of course you think you answered all the questions wrong. And Brad Bernstein, who's uh, was the kind of co-managing director at the time. He's the sole managing director, great guy. Um, you know, we went to dinner that night and, uh, and it was awesome. And, um, so we're, we make it through diligence and then now the tough stuff is like, it's just the attorneys the whole time that we're doing diligence in the background, the attorneys are negotiating purchase agreements and employment contracts and all kinds of like every little, and it, and it doesn't always get this way, but you got to remember they're competitive too. And so, like our lawyer wanted to beat their lawyer and vice versa. Right. So sure. sometimes Kyle and I would have to step in and say, look, this is a business term. Jody Keeling, our general counsel always says, oh, like, don't, don't legalize a business term. Like this was the intent of the business term. And Kyle, we had a really big tax issue um, that was unexpected at the end and they made it right. Um, and we were, uh, we were supposed to close, by a certain time. So, uh, I booked where I was going to be out in Vegas in our office. And I had my parents stay with the kids and I said, Renee, let's go out there. Friends of ours, we're going to meet us out there. Let's, it was going to close the week before we'll go the next week and we'll enjoy, you know, we'll go have some fun in Vegas after I visit the office. Never, never happened. By the way, nothing closes on time, not your home, not your, True. nothing closes. Right. So, so, it's Vegas trip. We're still not closed, right? I'm still on phone calls. Poor Renee is down by the pool by herself in our casino, hanging out with our friends that came with us, but totally understanding. I mean, it's just a crazy, crazy time. Well, we had booked this pool party um, on a Thursday and we're still not closed yet. And we paid all this money for a cabana, right? And so I'm like, I'll just take the call from the cabana. So I am at... Um, uh, not the win, but the one next to the, the one attached to the win is uh, I'll think of it in a minute. 
Um, but it's like, I think it's like daylight or something is the, the, the beach club party there encore, uh, at the encore hotel. It has a, had a really big, uh, beach club party on Thursdays, like DJs. I think it was actually deep low, which was the DJ that day. And there's oh, like, okay. like a thousand people, you can't see yeah. the water in the pool. Cause people just cover it all. And we're off back in a cabana, just watching madness, bass bumping everything. And I got to get on a phone call with all the attorneys, FTV and me. So um, I go behind this tarp and this cabana and I'm hanging out the back over Las Vegas Boulevard. I mean, there's like, it's Vegas. So there's like sure. the clown car going by and the classic <laughs> car tour and there's all, and I'm on mute and like my buddy's like, Murph, do you want a drink? I'm like, no, I'm good. So <laughs> this is like an hour of this cabana. And, uh, and, and finally, like we had everything done, we were done. We, we went through, um, the weekend. It was, it was a fine, it was, it was a fun weekend, but, uh, but we got back home and as a surprise to Renee for her birthday, I was flying her best friend from college that lived in South Bend, um, to actually, uh, you know, this DMAC, um, to, um, outside of Phoenix, uh, the mountain that you climb, uh, uh Camelback Mountain there Camelback in Scottsdale. Mountain. So yeah. we sent her to Camelback and they had this like great. And, and, uh, so she left on a Thursday and they were coming back on a Monday and the deal closed, uh, the, the, the deal closed that Friday. So it was, it was totally unfun. It's called a dry close, meaning it was too late for the wire transfers to go out for all the capital, but all the f- signatures are final. So, um, Renee's out of town. I got to get Parker who at this time is, I mean, it's 2016, so he's eight. Devin's 11. Um, I got to get him from school. Our our friends are helping us grab people. They know not to talk yeah. in the car because I'm on speakerphone. It's a Friday night. I'm ordering them pizza. It's arguably one of the biggest accomplishments of my life. Uh, and I celebrate it by falling asleep in front of a Disney movie and not eating any pizza after a dry close. Renee gets back, is getting back Monday. My parents come in Sunday night. I leave Sunday night to go to Philly because we were meeting with Comcast. And I had to be late into the Comcast meeting, sitting in their lobby as we all confirmed receipt of wire transfers on Monday morning in a customer site, which to me, I wouldn't do in any other way. It's always been about the customer. So why not close the deal? And I had to set everybody's like, hey, guys, and FTV still makes fun of you. This like, of course, only Murph would do this. Hey, guys, really appreciate it. Congratulations, everybody. I'm in the lobby of a big customer. I got, I got to, I got to go. Uh, I got to go. We got to go make money. And, uh, and everyone's just laughing. <laughs> so, you know, that's the, that took us through middle of May and, and I, I don't know what their model was exactly, but I know that, um, we outperformed everything that they set for like a two year plan. We did a six month, um, kind of, ramp like what do you what are the first six months of the partnership look like we just blew it out of the water wow we were on fire i mean just doubling in size um it was awesome uh and so that was the story of the capital raise um what what do you credit that to murph like being on fire right then like is it was it just the market coming to us at the time i'm telling you dmac it's very similar to where we are right now you know, we're sitting here and uh, whenever you're listening to this podcast, we're sitting here on, you know, May 9th of 2023 and the market's coming to us. Um, back then it was coming to us. It was coming hot. I mean, when you start getting some of these big logos, 
um, they just start to talk to other big logos. We still had a sales team at this point of like 10 people, right? I mean, it was just not big, maybe eight people, still a two-person marketing team, if any, right? Um, so it, it just, it was, uh, it was crazy. Um, security operations was growing like crazy. Um, it was a, it was a fun time. Um, that, yeah. how did you keep everyone focused to do the job still? Right. Cause there's a lot of things that happened when you have a ton of success, right. You start reading the headlines, you start drinking your own Kool-Aid, whatever it might be like, how do, how were you and, and the other leaders able to continue to drive focus and execution when all this excitement and things were going on around it? Around One, it. we kept it quiet. There's four of us that knew about it. And um, we always said the term in addition to uh, like you, you we got to hit the number. We got to do our day jobs. None of this matters if we don't execute for the customer. And right. when we announced the deal to everybody, I think people were excited about it. I called every customer. People were excited about it. We announced it to employees and a team and, um, you know, teammates and um you know, I was worried how everyone would take it, but it, it went, it went really well. Um, and I actually got that wrong. Pfeiffer wasn't with us yet. Cause the, that's when we recruited him at black hat, he was flying home from India and landed in uh, Tampa. And we were walking with, uh, Jeremy Fry and, and Colin and I talking about who we could bring in to run security operations and Fry texted Pfeiffer want to come to Vegas. And he said, sure. So I did my first interview with Pfeiffer at, uh, 10 o'clock in Vegas, 10 PM in Vegas. So it would have been, uh, you know, 1 AM for him. And he had just only been on the East coast time zone from being five hours or nine hours ahead, 10 hours ahead, um, for, for 12 hours. So those were, I mean, but that's how everything happened like that. It was just now, 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 now it's like people have heard me say all the time. Um, you know, my least favorite four letter word is wait. Um, and it's just some of these things in our history, uh, that, that tell you, like, you got to go, like, there is no, yeah. let's sit back. That's where 60% and go came from. Like, let's get the 60% consensus oh, wow. yeah. and get a hundred percent buy-in. Like there's no time. And I know that not deciding is just as painful as deciding incorrectly. Sure. Sure. I love how you said right at the beginning of this, that 2016, this year is a game changer. And then you also said that it was the most uncomfortable year, right? And, and those two things always go together. And I think people, uh, myself included, we sometimes forget that generally on the back of our most yeah. uncomfortable times are our game changing, pivotal, right? Most um, biggest moments of our career. And so I think it's just a really important to highlight for everyone. It's like that, that is, you can't avoid that. Right. And so I think it's like to lean into the discomfort and know that like there's something game changing on the other side is really important. Yeah. And, and, you know, what's interesting is look, this is new for me. Now we have this professional board of world-class investors and smart investors. Like I'm outclassed in this room. Like I'm an expert at ReliQuest, Right. Um, but I don't know their world. And everything you hear about raising capital, at the time we raised capital, $30 million in 2016, it was the largest capital raise in the Southeast for a technology company in years. Wow. Now, $30 million is nothing. People raise that all the time. But then it was really significant. So we were getting a ton of attention um, 
from everybody. Like the people were coming out of the woodwork. Right. I, I remember the kids at a birthday party and it was the first time I got hit up by a financial advisor. It was like one week after, um, you know, we made the announcement. I didn't even know this person. They've never talked to me before. You know, now, now I'm the most, you know, now I'm the biggest target in the room. Like there's a lot of things that were just changing and it was strange. Sure. Um, and then you had these other people that were like, Hey, how can we help calling in? I, um, was staying real close to the vest cause I kept waiting for them to change their stripes, right. To, Oh, now the deal's done. Now they're going to come in and be heavy handed. Like I hear all these stories. And so, I mean, I really operated with them for about two years <laughs> thinking that way. Right. And, and because you don't know why they're asking the questions and you don't have a background in that, you know, Tim was on our board. Uh, he was my board pick and they had board members, but our first board meeting, I remember being really funny and it was in August, end of July. And we, and we did it in our Vegas office, um, during black hat. So we had kind of our famous black hat party on Wednesday night with all of our customers. We rented out all of club Hyde. It was the party to go to, like people wanted to be invited in that if, uh, for our, our customer base. And the FTV guys were there and Lerone's a ton of fun. So he's out dancing, living the dream. Well, our board meeting starts at like eight 30 in the morning the next day. And I didn't know how to run a board meeting. So I, we created all these materials that if I looked at now, we're just junk. And, um, I started that board meeting at eight 30 and it ended at, at 1230. And I remember, leaving the office to go back to the airport and getting a call from uh, Tim Holcomb. And he would always do this. He'd always call me afterwards and tell me what he thought. Cause they, you always do, um, you know, I'm the, I'm the chair and the founder and the CEO, but you do a board only time where like my team will be in presenting to the board. And then you've noticed this DMAC and then, and then everybody, but board members leaves. And then as protocol, I leave my own board meeting. So for the first time I left, my own company. So other people that I didn't know that well outside of Tim could talk about my company. Um, that was odd. Yeah. It didn't sit well. Um, talk about paranoia. And so Tim would always call and just give me an update on what they talked about. And he's like, Hey, really nice job. You know, you guys are a great team and he never blew smoke. He's a Texas guy and would hit you with it. If you'd said something stupid and often did. Um, but he's like, Hey, before I go, do you realize that you started talking at eight thirty one in the morning and you talk for four straight hours about every nook and cranny of this business with no notes no slides. No. He's like, so the only thing we talked about is how the hell was that guy out till three o'clock in the morning with customers <laughs> and just talk for four straight hours, almost without blinking. Um, and so that was, uh, so that's kind of been my goal since then. So if you notice our board meetings now, DMAC, I say very little. Yeah. I talk True. in the first 10 minutes. And, and so I kind of, that's been my goal is to phase myself out of, um, that reporting element. Right. So, um, even now on most of our board communications, I'd like it to come from other people. Um, sure. so, uh, but anyway, so kind of a, a funny story. So 2016, uh, yeah. it was big. It, it was, uh, it was really big. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Murph, just to hear, 
just the process of everything that went into it. But also I think what's really interesting is when you mentioned earlier that you knew nothing about venture capital, private equity, like it was all like you had to research it all, figure it all out as you went, which is really, again, fascinating to me because conversations I've had with you, you talk about it, like you went to school and you studied it all the time. Right. But I mean, it is the school of hard knocks. Right. But it's, it's just interesting to hear you describe it as, as when people, uh, when venture capitalists started to reach out to you, it was brand new. You had no idea what to do. And so I think it just speaks to, again, for all of us, when, you know, instead of running from things we don't know, it's like lean into it, right. Lean into that discomfort, try to figure it out, find a way through it. Cause that's a, Again, that's where all the um, magic moments happen. And so it, it's just cool to hear a real life, like really what you went through to, to, to help put the company and, and your teammates in, in this position that we're in today. So I appreciate you sharing that and, and can't wait to hear about 2017, right? Yeah. As, as, as we continue this journey uh, down Chasing Possible. So Murph, thanks for sharing, man. Always great stuff. Thank you, DMAC. Appreciate you, man. See you next time. <laughs>